How are we doing, everyone? Welcome back to another episode, episode 25 of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Mayolari. So this evening, I'll be previewing tonight's annual NFL Hall of Fame game, which is between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Jacksonville Jaguars in Canton, Ohio. In addition to that, I will be breaking down some news across the NFL, and then also I will be updating you guys on Kevin Durant trade rumors. One of those rumors about Durant included an offer the Celtics proposed to the Brooklyn Nets. It was denied, but I will be breaking that down. I'm actually going to start with that. So for NBA news, a week or so ago now, the Celtics general manager, Brad Stevens, offered Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a first-round pick to the Brooklyn Nets in exchange for Kevin Durant. But the Nets general manager, Sean Mox, declined the offer. Brooklyn did want Marcus Smart in the deal, extra first-round picks, and supposedly also wanted an, another rotational player as well besides Derek White. The Celtics do not obviously want to move defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart, and I agree with that. He's a hot and soul of the franchise, longest-tended Celtic by far, and I think if you lose him, you're going to lose a piece of the locker room. As for Jalen Brown, he's got two years left on his deal with $56 million left on his current contract. $28 million a year is an absolute bargain for a player of his caliber. I think if you keep him together for two more years with Tatum, I mean, yeah, you, you could have four years of Kevin Durant. I get that. But I think this Celtics team could be good enough to win right now. Obviously, with Kevin Durant, you're probably even more favorites than you are now with Kevin Durant since he's such a great player, so dominant. But I think this Celtics core can win right now. I think what I would worry about is that I think with Tatum having three or four years left on his deal, I think Tatum has a very good chance of leaving at the end of his contract. I think a better chance, I think there's a better chance of Tatum leaving the Boston Celtics at the end of this deal that he's on right now than there is for Jalen Brown leaving at the end of his two years. Honestly, I think Jalen Brown's more of a chance of staying in Boston than Tatum. But then again, though, this could have repercussions for Jalen Brown. Now he's been in so many trade rumors. Anthony Davis trade rumors when he was on New Orleans. Jimmy Butler trade rumors when he was on the Bulls and also on the Timberwolves. Uh, Paul George trade rumors when he was on the Oklahoma City Thunder. And now Kevin Durant trade rumors, obviously on the Brooklyn Nets. And then there's another one, Kawhi Leonard, when he was on the San Antonio Spurs, he was involved in a deal, potential deal with the Celtics, and the Celtics were shopping Jalen Brown in that deal. So Jalen Brown's been in a ton of trade rumors now. He hasn't been a fan of the Boston media. Uh, obviously, in Boston fans not giving him as much respect as they should be giving him. And I've obviously always been a Jalen Brown's better than Tatum type of guy. I've said it a million times in my podcast at BC. I've said it to everyone that knows me well, everyone knows I've always supported Jalen Brown more than Jason Tatum. I'm not the biggest Jason Tatum fan. Everyone knows that. But I think with Jalen Brown, though, now, I mean, he's in his fifth trade rumor just about, and obviously Tatum gets all the credit and attention, but I think Jalen Brown's a better player, definitely more of a team player. I like Jalen Brown's game more. Tatum falls apart in key moments, doesn't get back on defense after turning the ball over sometimes because he's arguing about a foul call, and I would rather Jalen Brown for his hustle than I would rather have Tatum, to be honest, if I had to choose between the two of them. But with Jalen Brown, though, he tweeted out SMH, meaning shaking my head, after he saw the trade rumors and he woke up to the reported trade offer that Brad Stevens sent to Sean Mox of the Brooklyn Nets, he wasn't a fan of that. And then there were also times during the regular season where people were tweeting that Jalen Brown doesn't get enough respect from Boston fans or Boston media in general, and he liked a few of those tweets. So I think Jalen Brown, honestly, I know I just said he has a better chance of staying at the end of his two-year contract, but then at the end of the day, you never know. You never know because I think he realizes the Boston media, Boston fans, everyone's been a Tatum 
type of type of guy. And I know it's a team sport, so it's not all about being an individual and in, in an individual player. But I think at the end of the day, he wants his respect, especially considering how important he was to this past team that just made it to the NBA Finals versus the Golden State Warriors. And and with all due respect. Jalen Brown should get more credit. I think more credit than Tatum, to be honest. I know not many Celtics fans would agree with me with that, but I think he deserves more credit because of how well he played in the NBA Finals compared to Tatum, who was struggling. Tatum shot 67% from the free throw line. You know, and Tatum obviously led the NBA playoffs in turnovers and is the first player in NBA playoff history with 100-plus turnovers in a single postseason. So Jalen Brown should get more credit. In my opinion, I know not everyone's going to agree with me there, and it's fine. That's what sports all is all about. I mean, you're not going to see eye to eye with everyone all the time. According to ESPN, though, Brad Stevens could offer three unprotected first-round picks in 2025, 2027, and 2029 with two additional pick swaps in 2024 and 2026, along with Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant. As for Durant's contract, he has four years left at $198 million on his contract. The 34-year-old superstar is a 12-time All-Star, two-time NBA champ, two-time Finals MVP, 2013-2014 NBA MVP and was also a four-time scoring champ in his career, coming off a 29.9 point-per-game season, 7.4 rebounds, 6.4 assists, 0.9 blocks, 0.9 steals, 91% shooting from the free throw line, 51.8% shooting from the field, and 38.3% shooting from three. Obviously, you can see from those numbers, he's still so dominant, still such a great player. He averaged 28.7 points per game in the last two seasons with the Brooklyn Nets. He's 21st all-time in NBA points, in NBA history. Third among active players behind Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James there. So third in active players in points scored all-time and 21st all-time in NBA history. He's fourth all-time in points per game at 27.18 points per game. That's first among active players. LeBron's just behind him at 27.13 points per game. So LeBron James trails him by just five hundredths of a point there for best point per game average among active players and as I said Durant's fourth all time so you can just tell just by those stats how dominant Durant is and then just by watching him on the court obviously this last playoff run was not his best obviously him and Kyrie Irving going down in four games to the Celtics was not what Kyrie what Durant and the rest of the Brooklyn Nets wanted but at the end of the day you can't get Kevin Durant for chump change even with a bad postseason and I'd imagine honestly my original offer included which I said probably a month ago now when he declared that he wanted to trade Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and I think two first-round picks is what my original offer was, what I thought, what I imagined it would cost. And now what I'm imagining, it would be Jalen, Marcus Smart, Derek White, two first-round picks, so one first-round pick on top of the previous offer with Marcus Smart, and then also maybe Robert Williams. I don't think you really have any value in trading a guy like Peyton Pritchard. That's another rotational piece. It's really Robert Williams and Grant Williams, and I think Robert Williams is more... Talent, obviously, I think Robert Williams is one of the most important players on the Celtics. I would not want to trade him. But at the end of the day, I think that offer would be way too much to trade for Durant. But I think that offer would get it done right away, too. I didn't think the Nets would think about it. That Durant deal would be done in a second if the Celtics had that offer. But at the end of the day, I don't think the Celtics should trade for Durant. As of now, obviously, if things come out, and let's say Jalen Brown wants a trade, that's different. But I think this team could win right now with the current roster. And at the end of the day, you would be trading for a top, five to ten NBA player ever, probably top ten NBA player ever. And similar to Juan Soto being traded from the Washington Nationals, not many players are traded at the caliber of Kevin Durant and Juan Soto. Not often. Obviously, Mookie Betts was. But it doesn't happen often that trades happen for a superstar like Juan Soto, like Kevin Durant, like Mookie Betts. So that offer, obviously, you're not going to get Kevin Durant for chump change. As you can see, what the Nationals got for Juan Soto, which I'm going to break down, hopefully in an episode in the next couple of days, they got five prospects. 
five great pieces. And obviously, this is a different sport. Baseball and basketball are two different sports. But you're not going to get Kevin Durant for nothing. You're going to have to give up a ton. And obviously, as I said, I think Jason Tatum, at the end of this current deal he has, which I think he's a free agent in 2026, I think he has a better chance of leaving than Jalen Brown does, to be honest. I do. I think Tatum is Los Angeles Lakers bound at the end of his contract. I really do. As for Jalen Brown, I mean, without all these trade rumors, and then obviously everything else he's got going on with the Celtics, fans not giving him enough credit and everything, he might want out anyways in general. And one thing I want to note is Jason Tatum is a player option in 2025-2026, so he can actually opt out after the 2024-2025 NBA season and be a free agent in 2025 rather than 2026, like I said, when that's when he would be an unrestricted free agent. But I think he is Los Angeles Lakers bound. I really think Tatum will be gone at the, at the end of this deal. I think he's got three more years with the Celtics. I think he could be gone. Obviously, with, with Jalen Brown, he's got two years left. So you could run this team with potentially three to four more years with Tatum and two more years with Jalen Brown. Or trade Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, and let's say Derek White two first, which I still think is way too much to trade, but I think that deal gets it done right away. You're trading way too much. Obviously, you get four years of Durant, but let's say you only get three years of Tatum or four years of Tatum. I mean, four years of both of them together. Obviously, it's a lot of superpower right there and a lot of firepower, but I think that's too much to give up, especially considering Durant's now 34 years old. I still think he has two to three more good years left, but... Still a very tough deal to make happen, especially considering Jalen Brown has been such a great talent, homegrown talent for the Celtics team. It's just not a deal that's easy to make. But with that being said, though, you can never be surprised. Honestly, with sports, most people didn't think Juan Soto would probably be traded, especially this trade deadline two weeks ago when the report came out that he declined the 15-year, $440 million offer. But lo and behold, he was traded at the MLB trade deadline. So that's just how sports work. You never know what's going to go down. A crazy offer that the Celtics offer the Brooklyn Nets, they're not going to deny it. If it's Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, let's say Derek White, two first-round picks, and Robert Williams, they're not going to deny that. But it's a very good question, though. Two years with Jalen Brown getting $56 million, $28 million over the next two years, and Jason Tatum with at least three more years guaranteed on the Celtics, potentially fourth with a player option, do you have a better chance of winning the NBA Finals? with two years of Brown and Tatum together or three potential years with Tatum and Durant. I think at the end of the day, maybe with Durant, just because he's has such a great, he's such a great talent, such a great superstar. But at the end of the day, I think the Celtics team can win without Durant. So that's why I wouldn't do this trade. I think the Celtics have enough right now to win, especially considering what they add in the offseason, Malcolm Brogdon, Danilo Gallinari. I think it's too much for the Celtics to give up, especially considering they're going to lose all the depth. And the Celtics still have good depth. They don't have great depth. I think they have good depth since you still have Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams, and Derek White, three guys that did not help you at all in the NBA Finals, really, after game two and on. I still think they have good depth. I wouldn't say the Celtics have great depth. But trading Marcus Smart, who could potentially be off the bench if Malcolm Brogdon's a starter, Derek White, who would definitely be off the bench, and then maybe Robert Williams, you're trading two bench pieces right there. And you're left with... Payne Pritchard, Grant Williams, and Danilo Gallinari being the top of your bench, which I just don't think is a great idea for that Celtics team to do. So we'll see what happens there, obviously, and I'll keep you guys updated. But as of now, I would not do that trade if I were the Celtics. I think you got to keep this team together. I think you have a better chance of winning right now with this squad. Anyways, I want to get into one important storyline from the past weekend. Uh, very sad news uh, coming out of Boston on Sunday. Boston Celtics, an NBA legend, unfortunately passed away, Bill Russell, on Sunday at the age of 88, Russell won 11 championships in 13 years. 
From 1959 to 1966, he actually won eight straight championships with the Celtics. He's a 12-time All-Star selection, five-time NBA MVP, NBA Hall of Famer as a player. In 1975, he's an inductee as a player. Also as a coach, Hall of Famer, inductee in 2021. He was part of the NBA 75th anniversary team. He coached two Celtics teams to NBA Finals championships. And he was the first black head coach in NBA Finals history and NBA history to win an NBA Finals. And I actually got that stat from a CNN article, which I never knew that. So obviously you can see the legacy he left in the game of basketball. And if you look at his numbers, I mean, he was so great and so dominant. He averaged 15.1 points per game, 22.5 rebounds, and 4.3 assists per game in his 13-year career. Averaged 18-plus rebounds in all 13 regular seasons of his career. Had 17 career triple-doubles, including three in his final season in the 1968-69 NBA season. He made the playoffs in all 13 NBA seasons, averaging 16.2 points per game, 24.9 rebounds per game, and 4.7 assists per game in 165 career playoff games. He averaged 20-plus rebounds per game in all 13 NBA postseasons. And you can just tell from all those numbers and the effect he left on the game of basketball and the impact he left on Boston sports and the Boston Celtics. He was an absolute legend and a sports icon. So thank you for everything you did for Boston, the Celtics, the game of basketball, and sports, Bill. Thank you so much, and you will never be forgotten. You are forever an NBA legend. And another sad piece of news, just a few days ago now, we lost another sports legend, Vince Scully, the former voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers from 1950 to 2016, passed away at 94 years old on Tuesday night. He was a Hall of Fame broadcaster who spent 67 years calling games for the Brooklyn and Los Angeles Dodgers. And according to ABC7 of Los Angeles, he was actually the longest-tenured broadcaster with a single team in pro sports history, which is very impressive. And he was with the Dodgers from the Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson days to the Sandy Koufax and Mike Piazza days to the Clayton Kershaw, Manny Ramirez, Adrian Gonzalez, and Mookie Betts days. He was there through every single era. Every era. And the reason why I add Adrian Gonzalez in there is because the Red Sox traded Adrian Gonzalez and he spent four or five seasons. And I want to add another player from the 2010s besides Clayton Kershaw. So I added Adrian Gonzalez in there with Clayton Kershaw. And obviously he's been there during the Yasiel Puig era. In Los Angeles, and he was a big fan favorite, and Scully was there calling games, and he was there. So you, I just named a ton of former legends, some former players. Obviously, Adrian Gonzalez is not a Los Angeles Dodgers legend, but a lot of former players and legends right there that I just named, Jackie Robinson, Sandy Koufax, Clayton Kershaw, Mookie Betts, Pee Wee Reese. A lot of names I just named right there are guys that were there when Scully was calling games, and that just shows how long he was there. He was calling games from 1950 to 2016, and he saw so many legends, so many legends. And he not only called games for the Dodgers, but he called national broadcasts for the NFL, the PGA Tour, and also the MLB. And some of his most notable calls in baseball included Sandy Koufax's perfect game on September 9th, 1965, Hank Aaron setting the home run record on April 8th, 1974, and then Bill Buckner's famous era, infamous era in Game 6 of the 1986 World Series, between the Boston Red Sox and New York Mets. Obviously, that's tough being a Red Sox fan, but that was a call of Vince Scully's and very legendary call, too. Uh, everyone knows that game. Everyone knows that play. Um, but anyways, Scully was such a historical and legendary voice in the business of sports. And at the end of the day, Bill Russell, Vince Scully, those are two guys you'll never forget. Both guys will be missed for sure. And for Vin, thank you so much for everything you did for the Dodgers, Major League Baseball as a whole, and all of sports. You will never be forgotten, and you will always be a legend. Same thing with Bill Russell. Thank you guys for everything you did for the world of sports, because sports would not be the same without you two. So now I'm going to get into 
the annual NFL Hall of Fame game, which is tonight at 8 o'clock in Canton, Ohio. It actually marks the kickoff of the NFL preseason, which next Thursday is the Patriots and Giants' first preseason game. The New York Giants will be visiting the New England Patriots at Gillette Stadium next Thursday night. Very excited for that game. Should be a good one. But with tonight's preseason game, now that means there will be an NFL or college football game every single week until the Super Bowl from now on. So very uh, important week in the world of football. Obviously, this means that there will be football every single week all the way up until February. So very exciting times, and I'm looking forward to a big college football and NFL season, my favorite time of the year. So let me break down tonight's Jacksonville Jaguars versus Las Vegas Raiders matchup. What to expect? Not many stars, if any, will play. Raiders, very unlikely to play. Quarterback Derek Carr, running back Josh Jacobs, probably won't play either. I don't think Devontae Adams will play or tight end Darren Waller. Defensive end Max Crosby, pass rusher Chandler Jones probably won't play either. And if any of those guys I just named do play, it'll probably be a series at most to prevent meaningless injuries and just to get some game reps in maybe one series, couple sets of downs. Um, as for the Jacksonville Jaguars, second-year running back and 2021 first-round pick, Travis Etienne, who didn't play at all last season due, due to an injury, will not be playing tonight. Running back James Robinson will not be playing either, and quarterback Trevor Lawrence will not be playing as well. So three of those guys right there, Etienne, Robinson, two running backs, and Trevor Lawrence, starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, will not be playing tonight. First overall pick, Trayvon Walker, edge rusher out of Georgia, will be playing, though, tonight, so that's a guy to keep an eye on some more guys to keep your eye on Raiders defensive back Quinterio Cole six foot three 190 pound defensive back signed with the Las Vegas Raiders as an undrafted free agent after this past NFL draft and I'm a big fan of him he was second on the team this past season at Louisville with 87 tackles 65 of those being solo in 2021 he transferred to Louisville after his senior season he actually had a fifth season of college football, only played four seasons, though, since he played for Alcorn State, and Alcorn State did not have a season in 2020 due to the pandemic, so he was technically a fifth-year senior playing at Louisville, but it was only his fourth year playing college football since in 2020 it was not a season at Alcorn State. But he had six interceptions, a forced fumble, five tackles for a loss to go along with his 87 tackles, 65 of those being solo in 2021 for the Louisville Cardinals, had a great season. He was actually an HBCU All-American at Alcorn State in 2019, had 86 tackles, five interceptions, and a forced fumble as well. 86 total tackles, very impressive. Had 87 total tackles this past season, so two straight dominant years from 2019 to 2021. In 2018, he was very impressive, adding 76 total tackles, four and a half tackles for a loss, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, three interceptions, and five pass breakups. He's not afraid to tackle, not afraid to be physical and get up there in the run game. Very big fan of him. As for the Jaguars, keep your eye on running back Snoop Connor. He was a Jacksonville fifth-round pick this past draft, 154th overall. He had 13 rushing touchdowns and 647 rushing yards off 130 attempts for five yards per carry as a junior in 2021. He had 26 touchdowns in three seasons and 1,580 rushing yards to go along with 32 receptions and 225 receiving yards. Very productive back. And obviously, as you would see, scores touchdowns 26 and three seasons at Ole Miss. Next up, Raiders running back Zamir White, 2022 fourth round pick, 122nd overall out of Georgia. 11 rushing touchdowns, 779 rushing yards as a sophomore at Georgia in 2020 in 10 games. This past year in 2021 as a junior in 15 games. He had 11 rushing touchdowns and 856 rushing yards. Obviously, it was a big putt of that championship-winning team at Georgia this past year. He's a goal-line, physical, and bruising back. Doesn't add much in the pass game. Doesn't have great hands, and that's why. But he can block and help you out there. 
I think he will be getting a good amount of reps tonight. If Josh Jacobs were to play, I think maybe he gets a set of downs, maybe a couple sets of downs. Maybe running backs will play a little more than quarterbacks would, but I don't see him playing too much. I think Zamir White will be playing a lot of tonight's game. Another guy to keep your eye on, Jacksonville Jaguars. Cornerback, Montaric Brown, seventh-round pick, 222nd overall in the 2022 NFL Draft. He played four years for Arkansas, had 54 tackles with five interceptions, six passes defended, and one fumble recovery in 2021 as a senior. He had career heights in tackles, interceptions, pass breakups. In 2021, he had 11 pass breakups, five interceptions, and as I said, had 54 tackles, all of those being career highs. He was an all-SCC first-team selection in 2021 and was actually the first overall recruit in Arkansas in 2017. So obviously he had a very great career in Arkansas, staying in his home state and put up great numbers. I think he's a guy to keep your eye on tonight. According to Pro Football Focus, he had an 80.2 grade against the run in 2021 and obviously tackles very well. Another guy to keep your eye on is Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Justin Hall out of Ball State University in the Mid-American Conference. He had 28 touchdowns from scrimmage in five years as a Cardinal at Ball State. Coming off a career-best season as a 50th senior, 61 receptions, 613 receiving yards, and five touchdowns as a wide receiver. He also had 37 rushes for 255 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns as a runner. Very shifty wide receiver, so he got the ball in motion a ton and on end arounds a lot in that Ball State offense. His 50th totals from this past year, he had 868 yards from scrimmage and 11 touchdowns scored. Five of those being a receiving touchdown and six of those being a rushing touchdown. Very impressive numbers for him in all five seasons. He had 79 touches and 863 yards with five touchdowns with 11.3 yards per touch in just seven games of 2020. Had eight touchdowns off 871 total yards in 12 games of junior 2019. He had at least 755 yards from scrimmage in all five years of college football. 860 plus yards in four of those five seasons. In total, in 54 games in five years at Ball State, and that's obviously a mid-American conference football school, so I'm a big fan of the Mac, as you know. Had 440 touches, 4,250 yards from scrimmage, and 28 touchdowns from scrimmage as well. Also returned kicks, had 11 kick returns uh, this past year for 380 yards in 2021. Had a 34.5 yards per return average. Also had a kickoff touchdown as well. He returned punts, too, in 2021, had 10 punt returns for 120 return yards for an average punt return of 10 yards. Very impressive, and you can see by his speed how effective he is on the field. So I'm going to answer some questions on who will play tonight. I don't think Derek Haas is going to play. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is going to play. So for the Raiders, it'll be Jared Stidham at quarterback, former Patriots 2019 fourth-round selection out of Auburn. Las Vegas traded him to the from the New England Patriots to Las Vegas. They traded for him, that is. He had a 50% completion percentage in 44 attempts, two touchdowns and three interceptions in five games in 2020 in relief of Cam Newton. Didn't show much ability out there, so we'll see what he does tonight. Nick Mullins, former 49ers backup quarterback, started 16 games for San Francisco between the 2018 season and the 2020 season. He was 5-11 and in 16 starts in those two seasons in 18 games. Had 25 touchdowns and 22 interceptions, a 64.5% completion percentage, and 4,700 passing yards in those games, 4,714 passing yards in those 18 games. In one start for Cleveland in 2021, he had 147 passing yards and a touchdown and a loss for the Cleveland Browns. As for the Jacksonville Jaguars, it would be Jake Luton at quarterback. Had two touchdowns and six interceptions with 624 passing yards in three games in 2020. He was a 2026 round selection out of Oregon State. 
He was very impressive, actually, at Oregon State, throwing 28 touchdowns with only three interceptions as a senior in 2019. Also added a rushing touchdown in that season, so 29 touchdowns total. Had a nice touch on a lot of his throws in college, so I think he could have a decent night tonight. C.J. Bethard, the other quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, 12 starts in 21 games in four years, three of those being with San Francisco and one of those being with the Jacksonville Jaguars, returning for his second season as the backup quarterback. Had 18 touchdowns to 13 interceptions, 3,500 passing yards, four rushing touchdowns, and 11 fumbles in his career in those 21 games. So as I said, it'll be Stidham and Mullins for the Las Vegas Raiders. And then on the other side, in Jacksonville's sidelines, it'll be Jake Luton along with C.J. Bethard. As I said, Stidham didn't show too much promise as the Patriots' backup quarterback. And then if you look at it, Nick Mullins, C.J. Bethard, Jake Luton, a lot of these guys, all four of these guys, will be career backups probably in the NFL. Um, but with that being said, though, they all get a great opportunity tonight to play. Everyone will be watching this game since the first game of the NFL preseason kicks off the NFL season. Everyone's going to be just psyched to have football on the TV. So people will be excited to watch. And one more name, actually, I, I had listed that I forgot to mention. Keelan Cole, former Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver. I was a big fan of him in Jacksonville a few years ago. He's now a Las Vegas Raider. Keep your eye out for him. Coming off a season with the New York Jets, he had 51 targets for 28 receptions, 449 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown this past season. But in 2020 with Jacksonville in his final season, his fourth year with the Jaguars, he had 642 receiving yards with 55 receptions, five receiving touchdowns, also uh, had a 62.5% catch rate which was the second best in his career, had a 68.6% catch rate in 2019. But I've always been a fan of him, and I think he could have a potential good role this season as maybe a wide receiver four with the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm rooting for him to do well. So to break down the coaching matchup, it is Josh McDaniels versus Doug Peterson, both these guys, new head coaches with new teams. Josh McDaniels, 2012 to 2021, was a Patriots offensive coordinator, also a quarterback coach for some time, too. He won three Super Bowls with the Patriots as their OC, was a Denver Broncos head coach in 2009 and 2010, was 8-8 eight and eight in 2009, 3-9 in 2010, was fired midseason, finishing his career in Denver with an 11-17 record as a head coach. One interesting thing that I want to highlight is tonight, the game is obviously at the Hall of Fame field. And he went to Canton McKinley High School because he grew up in Canton, Ohio. And they actually played on the Hall of Fame field. That was their home field in high school. So now he'll, he'll have the opportunity to not only coach at the Hall of Fame field, but he also played on it as well. So very good opportunity there for him and very exciting. He brought a lot of former Patriots there with him to Vegas, including defensive back Deron Harmon, wide receiver Isaiah Zuba, was a very really used wide out a few years ago in 2020, I believe. Quarterback Jared Stidham, then also fullback Jakob Johnson. As for Doug Peterson, first-year head coach now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, has a 42-37-1 record as a head coach, a 531 win percentage. He won a Super Bowl with the Eagles in 2018, the Philadelphia Eagles franchise's first Super Bowl win. He won a Super Bowl as a player, actually, as well in 1997 as a backup quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. He made the playoffs as the Eagles head coach from 2017 to 2019, three straight seasons. He was 4-11 in his last season, though, as a head coach in 2020. His final game, he actually blew a game against Washington, the Washington football team, and that game the Giants needed Philadelphia to beat Washington so the Giants could make the playoffs. He ended up blowing the game on purpose. Peterson put in Nate Sudfeld, the third-string quarterback, put him in the game with the game on the line, ended up losing the game for the Giants, actually. Washington ended up winning and losing the Giants' playoff chances. So I've never been really a big Doug Peterson fan since. 
Uh, but anyways, for the Raiders, though, one thing I want to highlight, I really like what the Raiders did in this offseason, trading Yannick Ngakwe to the Indianapolis Colts for cornerback Rocky Yassin, helping out that secondary. They also added Chandler Jones in free agency on a three-year deal. Great pass rusher. They traded for star wide receiver Devontae Adams from the Green Bay Packers and also added Zamir White, a running back, which I already highlighted, from Georgia in the NFL draft. They also got offensive guru, to help Derek Carr with the addition of Josh Daniels being now their head coach. I like what they did with the addition of Patrick Graham, former Giants defensive coordinator, is now the Las Vegas Raiders defensive coordinator. I think he'll succeed and do well in that Raiders system. They obviously have a great pass rush now with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones both getting to the quarterback. And the Raiders also signed Hunter Renfro, wide receiver, to a two-year, $32 million contract extension. So not a bad pickup there. As for now... My AFC Championship prediction, which not many people are going to have this. A lot of people probably have Kansas City Chiefs versus the Buffalo Bills. But for me, as of now, my AFC Championship, Indianapolis Colts versus the Las Vegas Raiders. I see them both having big seasons. I really like Derek Carr. I like. I think he's going to have a very good season this year for the Raiders with the addition of Devontae Adams, helping him out, giving him a wide receiver one. They obviously have Hunter Renfro, a great wide receiver two, Josh Jacobs, Amir White, Kenya Drake, three great backs there. And then also have Darren Waller, a great tight end. I see him having a great season, Derek Carr. And then you add Josh McDaniels as your new head coach and probably your new play caller. And then you look at the Colts. I love what they did. They obviously already have Jonathan Taylor, Quinton Nelson, Darius Leonard, Frank Reich as head coach, and now they have Matt Ryan as their quarterback. And I think Matt Ryan is going to succeed heavily in this new Colts system. I think he's still been a good quarterback the last few years with Atlanta, just Atlanta really had no protection for him. He was getting killed left and right, even though he had Kyle Pitts. 2021 first round pick helping him out as his tight end and obviously had Calvin Ridley for a few seasons and obviously had Julio Jones for a while as well. He really just had no time to throw this last season. So I'm excited to see him on that Colts offense, especially considering the Colts have such a great offensive line. I will be breaking down more predictions in my NFL season preview probably within the next few weeks. So you'll hear more about my predictions then. But as of now, Las Vegas Raiders, Indianapolis Colts, my AFC championship. For news within the NFL, Rams Super Bowl champion quarterback Matt Stafford has elbow tendonitis in his throwing elbow. He received injections in his right elbow during this past offseason, but it seemed to not have worked at all. So he will not be a full participant for the remainder of training camp. Hopefully, he recovers soon. Rams head coach Sean McVay compared the tendonitis in his elbow to elbow pains for pitches in the major leagues. So clearly not a good thing for quarterback to have. Next up, 49ers star wide receiver Debo Samuel agreed to a three-year, $71.5 million contract extension with the San Francisco 49ers. The breakdown of his contract, $58.1 million guaranteed, a maximum value of $73.5 million, $23.85 million per year, which is actually the sixth most per year among wide receivers in the NFL. Samuel earned $58.1 million guaranteed, which is actually the second highest ever Guaranteed to a wide receiver just behind Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf, who got $58.2 million guaranteed compared to Samuel's 58.1, so not a big margin there. Metcalf signed a three-year $72 million extension a few weeks ago with Seattle, so now Samuel becomes the second highest paid receiver in guaranteed money at the wide receiver position in NFL history. As for Samuel, he'll have a $6.7 million cap hit this upcoming season, a $9.14 million cap in 2023, a $29 million cap in 2024, a $24.66 million cap in 2025, 
and a $7.11 million cap hit in 2026, which is a void year in that deal. A void year helps keep the cap hits low for the 49ers in the first few years of that deal. So in 2022 and 2023, he's only making $6.7 million, $9.14 million, and that's in order to help him Still get his money. Obviously, over time, he's getting $29 million in 2024 and $24.66 million in 2025. But that void year in 2026 of $7 million helps the Niners save some money so they can keep his cap hits low in those first few years so he can still have flexibility on the cap to sign new guys. So, as I said, the 49ers get extra flexibility now with the cap in order to sign more guys and have a little more leeway in the first few years of that contract extension. Anyways, now there's six wide receivers drafted after the first round of the 2019 NFL Draft that have all gotten heavy contracts extensions this offseason. A.J. Brown got four years, $100 million from the Philadelphia Eagles. Second round, 51st overall selection out of Ole Miss by the Tennessee Titans in 2019. D.K. Metcalf, three years, $72 million extension from Seattle. Second round, 64th overall selection. Last pick of the second round out of Ole Miss in 2019. Debo Samuel, three years, $71.5 million extension from the San Francisco 49ers. Second round, 36th overall out of South Carolina. Terry McLaurin, next up, three years, $71 million extension. So just $500,000 less than what Debo Samuel is getting with the same amount of years, three years. McLaurin was the third round, 76th overall selection at Ohio State in 2019. And then Deontay Johnson, two-year, $36.7 million extension he got from Pittsburgh just a few days ago now. Third round selection, 66th overall out of Toledo in 2019. And then Hunter Renfro, the last receiver of those six receivers drafted after the first round to get big contract extensions. Hunter Renfro got a two-year, $16 million extension from Las Vegas from a fifth-round, 149th selection overall out of Clemson in 2019. So the last thing I'm going to talk about now is the Miami Dolphins situation. They just lost their 2023 first-round pick, a 2024 third-round pick for violating the integrity of the game and tampering with Tom Brady in the 2019 offseason while he was still under contract with the Patriots for another season, and also tampering with Sean Payton while he was still under contract to be the head coach this past season in January with the New Orleans Saints. Supposedly, the Dolphins were in talks with Peyton before he retired to get him as their new head coach. As for Brady, Miami was trying to recruit him from August 2019 all the way up to this winter of 2022. During the 2021 season, they were trying to get him. And that's before Brady retired and after he retired. They were still trying to get him, supposedly. And Brian Flores actually said that when he was fired, he said that Dolphins owner Stephen Ross was demanding Flores to tamper with a superstar quarterback in the winter of 2020. And supposedly that ended up being Brady. And the Dolphins were in talks of still trying to get Brady and Sean Payton as their head coach quarterback duo during this past winter. But they stopped pursuing the two of them after Brian Flores filed a lawsuit against the Miami Dolphins organization. There were also reports that Brady potentially could have became a minority owner of the Miami Dolphins. So it wouldn't have just been he would have been playing. There were also reports that he could have been an owner of the Dolphins. So whether or not he would have been an owner or a player, it was still tampering either way with Brady. And as for former head coach Brian Flores, his accusation that he was told to intentionally throw games in the 2019 season by management and ownership, there was no evidence found that that was true. Flores did claim he was offered $100,000 for every loss so the team could tank for a better draft pick in the 2020 NFL draft and ended up not being true, I guess, according to investigations. But as for consequences, besides losing the first-round pick in 2023 and the third-round pick in 2024, 
The Miami Dolphins are also going to be fined as well heavily. According to CBS Sports, Bruce Bale, the Dolphins vice chairman, has been barred from the NFL from any league meetings for the remainder of the 2022 NFL season and was also fined $500,000. And the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, was fined $1.5 million and suspended through October 17th. So heavy sanctions there for that Miami Dolphins team, not only losing some money, but losing their owner through October 17th their vice chairman for the entire 2022 NFL season, and then also losing a first-round pick and a third-round pick in 2023 and 2024. So some big losses there for that Miami Dolphins team, and obviously they were trying to get Brady and Sean Payton as their head coach and quarterback, and it obviously didn't work out. And since it didn't work out, they still lose draft picks and stuff. But as for Brady and Sean Payton, neither one of those guys got any consequences for being in talks with the tampering so really it was just the dolphins that got fined and punished anyways thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this i really appreciate hope you guys have a good one enjoy tonight's annual nfl hall of fame game as i said the kickoff to the nfl season hopefully it's a good one hopefully it's a good one for my new york giants and i know a lot of you guys are patriots fans so best of luck to them as well thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this i appreciate it and have a good one thank you